0: Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy-watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this
1: is Mark. Hiya! It's episode 72 and we're talking about the science fiction comedy film, Don't Look Up. It came out. Don't Look Up. Or Look Up. Look Up. Just Look Up. Hashtag Look Up. up. Hashtag Don't Look Up. Hashtag Don't Look Up. (laughs) In this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of the narrative and the film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Don't look up was directed by Adam McKay, who also wrote this film with based on a story, sorry, that him and David Serrata came out came up with together. <laughs> I didn't really quite word that properly, sorry. Apologies. Apologies to Adam McKay and David. Surata, sriracha, you know, sriracha sauce? he's a bit spicy, this one. Spicy, David.
0: Yeah, so turn back now if you haven't seen this film, because we're going to get into all the spoilers. This is your warning. We're going deep,
1: so warning, warning. 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 Uh, this film is about a couple of low-level astronomers who discover a massive comet... That's going to cause extinction level event here on Earth, and they have to go on a basically a media circuit event as we do in modern society to try to convince us that we should pay attention to this end of the world doomsday comet. And what does society do, sorry? We kind of
0: ignore it. No, we take, you know, we we take uh, perfect attention. We set up life ships for everyone, and then we send up a drilling team to go up and put no hang on that's that's as other films that they take it seriously <laughs> yeah, that's right
1: so this film took a bit of a comedy approach to the idea that yeah the humans kind of don't really care we're a bit selfish or a bit ignorant to this
0: actual like, doomsday know, event a frighteningly realistic approach at the moment like it, it's a it is it's a pretty sharp film and right right now i think i think because
1: of covid Uh, Yeah, I found that this film, it's like, well, is it sort of about COVID? A lot of people online are talking that it's um, the way we're reacting about climate change, that we're not reacting enough. Uh, But I think you could really take the metaphor of this story in so many different ways of how we respond to things. Do we just stick our head in the sand, sorry, or do we actually want to change for the
0: better? So what was your number one takeaway from Don't Look Up? My number one takeaway from Don't Look Up is sometimes it's not good to have a celestial body named after you. No, yeah, that's right. Because normally when you it's discover do- a comet like <laughs> Halley, yeah. you go, oh, "Look, oh, there's Halley's comet. Isn't that cool? People get to see it. Once in a lifetime event." Turns out the Debansky. Dabensky, yeah. De- Debansky, yeah, yeah. Debasky. Dabasky. Debasky, comet De-basky. De-basky. <laughs> is also a once in a lifetime event. It is. So, I yeah, sometimes you, you don't want your name associated with mm.
1: it. And they kind of make a little joke about that in the scene, don't they? And
0: this is kind of the thing also about that COVID came up with. Mm. Because, of course, there's this desire to call it the China virus. <laughs> and... Previously, we've had this people referring to the Spanish flu, yeah, which of course was entirely unfair because the flu did not come from Spain. Mm. It's just that's where the soldiers flew out of or mm. shipped out of from flew the, out of yeah they are <laughs> coming back from World War Two out of the trenches and, and out of Europe and so forth yeah. through Spain and out of the port of Spain mm. to go back home to America. So the flu has nothing to do with Spain, no, but it's called the Spanish flu, and as a result, there was a lot of trouble. Yeah, and now there's this, fair enough. They've learned from that and went, oh well, we won't call this, you know, the China virus, or the Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome, because, <laughs> it, it, you know, people will manipulate that and use that to push mm. their agenda. Mm-hmm. And of course, the people who did call it the China virus, they're trying to say, yeah, but that's where it came from, right? Yeah. We all know why they wanted to call it the China virus and had nothing to do with fact. No, it had nothing to do with that. It had entirely to do with their own skewed ideologies, yeah. whatever, whatever that may be. It sort of means then that, of course, even people who want to try to remain unbiased <laughs> will have in their head the dubansky comment is going to kill us. Oh, there's Kate Dubinsky. She just <laughs> like you. Kind of, I'm pretty sure that even as much as you want to fight that bias, you're still going to yeah. feel a little bit of tension. So and my it, number one takeaway: don't don't rush to get your, na- your 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 name on a celestial object mm. until you're sure it's not going to hit Earth.
1: And I don't think it was, just on that, I don't think it was like a deep theme of this film, but it was interesting, wasn't it, that her progression, Jennifer Lawrence plays Kate Debaski, like, so she found it, and it kind of almost like her narrative arc was, she found it, Mindy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, confirmed it, then when they went, They started to get some progression from it. She was seen as much more irrational and crazy, which is kind of quite... And hysterical, which is quite often put on to women. And then she withdrew from it all and he started getting the attention, like it was like his thing. Yes. And he was becoming the prominent scientist and he got promoted. She was bagged out by another man, like in power, the the head of... uh, Was it the head of... Chief Chief, Chief Chief, the Chief. Yeah, someone, whatever it is, right? The Jonah Hill character. Wasn't he good (laughs) at that? He was terrific. Um, but like, yeah, so it's like, and then she even just like totally withdrew from the whole thing. And like, I was I don't think it's like a major theme in this film, but it, it is sort of that male, female how people perceive it a little bit as well. So not only was her name on the comment, which then was quite negative, Then, as a female, they portrayed that sort of negative stereotype being playing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, in the context of the actual story as an audience, we were kind of more like, yeah, why aren't these people listening to her? (laughs) I was. I mean, this is the kind of film that you're almost screaming at the television, like when you watch a sporting match and no one can hear you and no one's listening to you because you're screaming at a TV. You're like, this is Uh what this film does. Like, this film makes you want to go, Oh my God! Like, why aren't they listening to and, these
0: people? And that's why this is such a great allusion to all of those other scientific facts, yeah. which should like climate change, push we should action. I know, but for some reason, people will come up with all manner of reasons. And mm. it's just in this as well. People started using the whole comet and everything for their own personal agenda, yes. without any <laughs> desire to actually fix it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was the. Uh you know, at one point they quote 23% people don't even believe the comet's real. (laughs) Uh, Which is an end result, I guess, though, of the fact then that you had that you know the the conservative side saying, Oh, the liberals are gonna try and scare you into doing things Mm. if you're like uh it's it it wouldn't bother me except it's real. It's this is really what people do, and then of course you've got the other people going, Oh, you should you know take these these particular actions and go shopping or something (laughs) because of the comet, you know, and you're kind of going. Yeah, uh,
1: and and later in the narrative, how it becomes about you know Bash's idea and like her parents, Tabaski's parents go, N- we're, "No politics in this house. We're on the side of jobs." Yes. like that's that's extremely i mean so you can really see oh, that as out. extreme connection to climate change right like yeah. it's the same thing like well, we have it in they... australia majorly with climate change because we're a massive uh we've we've got massive investments in coal still and you know even our prime ministers over the last 10 years when the rest of the you know parts of the world are really modifying their their energy consumption even in australia we still have oh, High prominent political figures going, yeah, but think of the jobs. Oh, like, don't you know? And that's always the old argument, isn't it? It's like, oh, but you know, if you shut down that coal mine, you're going to lose 500 jobs.
0: You know, know and what gets like- me about that though is, and COVID has demonstrated this, yeah. If we shut down that coal mine and we lost X jobs, how about what we just do is pay those people? Mm-hmm. Because if the government says, yeah, we're going to shut all that down, what about our jobs? We'll just pay you yeah a wage to until you you know um, get a new job find something else yeah and if that takes 50 years okay whatever yeah we'll pay you for 50 years like done yeah like why is that a problem that's not a really I a know. problem because then know. of course people go who's gonna pay that well you yeah, know that's what we do as a society yeah, we pull together right. and we help out and we want but it's not that mate, a, when, we when, want a planet that is healthy and good and we want to lead the way and build our technology because you know what we're not gonna win through manufacturing yeah but this is exactly the point. That sort of discussion mm. is fueled not by basic fact; uh-huh. it's fueled by a desire to avoid some fear or push some agenda. Mm-hmm. And my agenda is more science fiction. I'm really sad, in fact, that the uh, the, the real science fiction solution to this didn't work out. Mm. Because, quite frankly, I'm all for the the massively science fiction solutions. Yeah, but anyway. the, the, yeah. We'll get to that later, eh? Uh, okay. So, is this? Uh, Hope, warning, or experiment.
1: I think we're going to go back to our warning, 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 sorry, because this is a complete warning of a film. uh, And it's a warning on multiple levels. I think you can really break it down to maybe as humans, do we want to really fix problems in our lives? Do we just put our head in the sand? I mean, how many people have problems, whether it's like they eat too much, they drink too much, maybe they have relationship problems, and instead of actually doing the work to fix it, we just put our head in the sand and sort of keep doing what we Was always it? did. That old Albert Einstein quote of, you know, the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over and over. And I think we're all probably guilty of that for some aspect oh, in my absolutely. life. I'm going to admit like I'm guilty. There's things I've done in different aspects of my life, at different times in my life, with my children, pre-children, that you kind of repeated negative behavior and it, and it really took... And still does, you know. Like you're never going to fix yourself completely, but there's still moments that you go, "Ah, uh, yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm just, just doing. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm just going to put my head in the sand." Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, the old cartoon, put the put your head in the sandpit, um, the old ostrich, or here in Australia, the emu. And um, I think so. This film is like the perfect example. Like, there's a ticking time bomb. In six months, a comet hits the planet what are we going to do about it, you know? And and this film just really shows, I think, such a realistic point of view of how we would deal with it, how the politics plays out. You know, this is obviously very American, and the whole time I was like, okay, in Australia, we would probably react a bit differently, but, like, I I really saw, I think, so much similarities with COVID and how our politicians... The language
0: would be different,
1: but the... The, the outcome would be yeah. similar. And, and I mean, we'll get to this, but that great scene where they first tell the president, President Orlean, played by Meryl Streep, and uh, Jonah Hill playing Jason Orlean. And, you know, you've got this, this. you've actually got this chief scientists from NASA, and you've also got other people, you know, like that are already saying that the statistics are right. And straight away, they're they're not really even acknowledging. <laughs> No. <laughs> Acknowledging it, and that's like, and that's the whole like they they start you know both Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio start going yeah okay what are we saying and 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 it's a really interesting scene that one and we'll come to it in a moment but like they they sort of spit over their words and I think as an audience like just tell them what it means and then when they actually say it like uh, Jennifer Lawrence says it. Then, then they start denying it and start thinking, "Okay, well, it when's when, when can't be a hundred percent." They said like seventy yeah. percent, and I think again, this is what I mean by the COVID reaction. It's the same here in Australia. Like we've had our, especially our prime minister, probably react in a very similar way. It's different language than this, but it's the same. Tone the same, the same message is there, you know, and the, the same way of dealing with these things. It's the, yeah, and and it and and it is alarmist. And I've got to say, and I'd love anyone out there that listens to us and you've watched this film, and hopefully you have. Obviously, don't keep listening to us because we're just going to talk about every aspect of this film. Make sure you go watch this film. But it's, I'd love to hear. Like, did you actually just laugh your butt off during this film? Because I kind of, I couldn't laugh really. Like, I, I was. Finding moments of this film funny, but I also was not laughing because I just felt like it's very true
0: I, well, I <laughs> and say, cringy.
1: It was almost like cringy, you know, like it's that cringy humor. I have to
0: say, Jonah Hill made me laugh. Yeah, or yeah. Most of his most of his lines were just uh, just quickly spoken, quietly done, but you know, just little comments like uh, you know, good good effort uh, getting dressed up for this
1: you know as a mm. comment
0: to Jennifer Lawrence's character and then yeah, as just said um, oh the oh the molly's just kicking in that's a great time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, when the like was just these, yeah it's just these yeah i mean he was funny saying, he you know, was, it was
1: funny but it, it, the scenario you know i mean when they when they go to the um the tv show wasn't that like koshi you know what i mean like that's what koshi would be like people like a scientist talking to koshi that A meteor is coming to destroy the whole planet and that's what Koshi would be like. Oh, so
0: exploding stars. That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, that's
1: right. Like it was... was...
0: Take it seriously.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so I just see it as a warning. So what was your first impression, sorry, from the film? Uh, Well, when
0: I started watching this, I felt a deep set of anxiety, a Mm. feeling because, okay, so they discovered that this comet's going to hit. Mm. Um, I went, yep, fine. And then they're in there talking to the the president. They do the whole jump on the first military thing. They're just the only people in this cargo, you know, mm. like a typical, you know, fast paced action rush to the president. And then they're waiting yeah. in the room, and there's, they're discussing uh, this Supreme Court nominee and the marshal of the the I don't know what it is is the. Yeah police person whoever goodness knows what the job is it doesn't it.
1: make any sense to us in Australia yeah, it's, if you're an American listener let and, us know and what it means they're
0: worried about the fact that he posed nude in an art yeah. thing I was like I don't even I don't even care I mean our prime minister still holds a Guinness world record for fastest chug of a beer yard <laughs> glass. I mean yeah so it's so like if they also posed nude for an art class I mean well that's kind of cool actually uh, but anyway yeah but there's this, all this distraction and then while they're sitting there he goes, oh, these two pop stars broke up.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and, and you're sort of like, are you like so... Uh, like, I mean, I don't care in the in the best of times whether, yeah. you know, who Jennifer Aniston... Oh, you can show them my age now. Jennifer Aniston... Jennifer Aunt Aniston Cruz, and Brad, Brad Pitt. Brad <laughs> Jolie. You know, I didn't even know who the current concerning yeah. couples are. You know, yeah, yeah. Kanye and Kim or something like... I think they're
1: too old now. Yeah, you know.
0: like it's it's of such low importance to the world. Mm. But people love to talk about it. They do. And when they were having that scene, oh the anxiety I was having. I know. And then they're sitting in there talking to the president and the president's like, Yeah, so what's this? You discovered a comment, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's gonna crash in the earth. goes, oh well, let's call it seventy percent. You go, And you know, Leo's doing such a good job like clutching his little book and, yeah. and Jennifer's sort of Twitching in her chair yeah. and, and I felt the whole same thing as so I was like just stop being so flippant yeah and, just and say it. listen to these people ah but I knew of course I wouldn't because that's the whole point of the film
1: and I mean that's the interesting you know you talk you, look let's just put a pin in what sorry said there and also sidekick to if you're writing a film or you're making a film or a book. There is that saying, the same but different. And what that means is that we've had lots of films like this film. Sorry, think about it. Armageddon, Deep Impact, big 90s blockbusters came out at a very similar time. You and We probably need to look at those films at some point in Space oh, France, yeah. And we will. But And there's been other films like this, Doomsday Stories, right? So the same but different means that as a filmmaker or a scriptwriter or a novelist... You are going, okay, an end of the world film is cool, right? Like a, a meteor. we've already but we've already done that.:
0: We've done the rest so of and the efforts, yeah.
1: What's the same story, but different? And so Adam McKay has come along and gone, well, what about if instead of you know, the action story? of Bruce Willis going up and (laughs) drilling the meteorite and blowing it up and saving the day, what if it's like the scientists come along to say the story and no one pays any attention to it? Like, that's the what if, right? And that's the point of difference. So... This film has been done before, but not in this way. Before it's been done, as in, you know, the terror of the end of the world. The comments come in, but we all pay attention to it, and the American government come up with a great plan to solve the day. You know, or the world comes together, don't they? Yes. Independence Day. We all got to come together. We're no no longer is Independence Day for Americans. Independence Day for the world. You know that great speech by Bill yeah. Pullman. You, you,
0: but instead, the rest world going.
1: Yeah. Nah. Nah, we don't want Independence But anyway, like in in this context, it's the opposite. It's like, what would it really be like? And and what if those scientists had to sell it to the media, you know? And um, so I I thought this is a really great example. Like at the end of this as well, separately, uh, for those of you that want to write a film, this is a really cool example. Go out and watch Deep Impact Armageddon, Independence Day, really big blockbusters there's a whole bunch of other doomsday films and then watch this one and you'll see how a writer has taken the same idea, the same concept, and then spun it on its head all right still the same thing, but he's taken the same concept and then written it from a different point of view mm. and it's and and it's very i i mean i this film has it's thoroughly impressed me this one. And how did it make you feel? Oh, the whole time anxious, terrified that this is way too close to home. And like I was saying before, I'd be I'd love to know. Like, were you laughing? you were uh, laughing at Jonah Hill. I was it when Jonah Hill would like, cra- you yeah, know, say but that. But were you laughing? Because it was comedy in other bits. Oh uh, yeah, well. Like, what about the Jennifer Lawrence... Wasn't it funny, the Jennifer Lawrence story, how, like you said, they were waiting in the White House and the guy charged them for the crackers, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the that, but that's not the funny bit. The funny bit, actually, is that she keeps bringing it back yes. up. She keeps... She can't
0: figure out. Like,
1: she's like, why would he... He's, he works at the Pentagon. And, like, no one answers her questions. It's just yeah. her ranting. And then at the end, when she's with her boyfriend, she, like, well, goes... See, she tells the story. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Like, he doesn't even really care. You see, that's...
0: Like, it's, it's kind of a B story, and it's it maybe a C yeah. story to this just it's, yeah, it's, it's following this theme of why is this person acting in a way that seems so difficult to fathom? Yeah. Like, why did he charge him? Like, not a smaller man either. No, twenty ten dollars eighty, and like, yeah. and the other guy he didn't have change, so he took us fifty yeah. from him. So he got seventy dollars. Yeah, for, for free, free crackers. And then he he didn't even mention like he wasn't yeah, apologetic. Yeah. And so again, that that is that underlying of you know a society is such that there will be people that will just act in seemingly yeah. unknowable ways. And, uh, and
1: even Jonah Hill, right? Like, I mean, what he says is is like that. Like, in another movie, a Seth Rogen comedy, whatever, like, it's funny. Like, then yeah. uh, Adam McKay made Anchorman and The Other Guys and uh, Step Brothers, like, a lot of those kind of comedies. You could put Jonah Hill saying these lines in those films and it'd be like, oh, that's really funny. But also, like, he's he's basically just a dick to Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, like, wow, like right. all those comments are funny, but he's also just an asshole to her the whole time. And no one stops him no one like pulls him up or anything, right? Like they just allow him to be a dick to her. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he is, he's just like pretty much awful to <laughs> Like the whole film, like he never stops being awful to her. So um, it, it is a funny thing. So yeah, I felt anxious and terrified and I kind of loved it, but I, I loved what Adam McKay did in this because I was having that reaction the whole time. And I'll, yeah, I'll come back to it a bit later, but... You notice that we had these moments in the film, and then there was those cut to what is very traditional in a documentary b roll. So it was like when we were having some of these scenes end, he cut to ants, hippopotamuses, uh, a tribal man canoeing. You know, depending
0: on the scene, he'd cut to, for example, when. It was uh, the scientists trying to do things. It was all of that natural world type stuff. Then when it was the bash life... Yep. (laughs) Bash life. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I know. No (laughs) no one proofread that and went, do you really want to call us the bash life? (laughs) Yeah. But then it was was scenes of um, cities and consumption and technology, you know, robots Mm. and that sort of thing. So it was kind of doing... You know, a bit of a contrasty thing that like all priming, you know, what, what do you call it? The um, you know, neurological priming to, yeah. to get you to sort of thinking along certain ways. And I don't think it was showing that the, the natural life it sure, was the good and no, the, no, the other no. side was the bad. No, no, we're no, just no. saying these are two two sides of the same yeah. planet, yeah, because they weren't bad scenes, there was just scenes like you know, of a um, you know, a, a set of traffic. It was everyday life, and, I thought. That's yeah, kind of how I looked at it looked yeah. people refilling their cars, and then like a, a baby crying, yeah. and then a you know someone eating a pizza or I something. Th-
1: like th- I think to me, it was like those moments were pauses and reflections for the audience to realize that if we don't do anything, this is what we lose. Mm. Because very like when they had that scene with the president, I think that was the first time after that cut, and it was like a a humming a beautiful hummingbird. Mm. really close up, doing its thing. And then I think maybe a um maybe the ocean or something and and then it was like um a forest with an ant, you know, like what and yeah so so I think it felt like, you know, by not doing anything, you're not just destroying the human race, you're destroying all of this. Mm. And then and then later it was similar, like when it did the bash thing and it was the arguments of that it was like cut to Yeah, you're right. Like it wasn't saying humanity was bad it wasn't showing us pollution. It was just showing us like a huge, you know, intersection of buildings and mm. people crossing the street and a baby, like, you know, a brand new baby crying. It's like, yeah, again, if you do nothing, this is again is what we're losing, you know, but it was great reflection moments to me. So, yeah, I loved the viewing experience. I, I wanted this film to continue, you know, like, and that's a really good thing. Like yeah. it, it kept pulling me along. Um, so that that was really cool. So, had you seen this film before, Sorry?
0: No, no. I've I've heard a few things about it. People talking about it. Some people saying that they didn't like it. I can see it as a polarizing film. Yeah. Some people would say, yeah, no, this is just irritating. Like, yeah, yeah that set feeling of anxiety throughout. Like yeah, I, yeah. I've read yeah. someone was saying it pissed. It was a movie. It was pissing me off because it's like the filmmakers assumed that the whole world had become totally stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Exit. I was sort of going, I think you're trying you're in denial. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they kinda of hammed it up a little bit mm. but it didn't feel totally unnatural. No. Like, you could see those sorts of things occurring.
1: And it's not saying it's actually not saying the whole world is stupid, it's just actually saying the people in power are stupid in a way. Like Well, yeah, they can you know and they and the media, like the way the media they do want it.
0: to stay in power Yeah,
1: and like, and they're gonna influence the narrative and like I said, like uh, that show that he goes on, to me, I could see Koshi. and oh, the, the same. Like,
0: bite. Yeah, that, yeah,
1: like that kind of morning show, and you're trying to like tell sell them that the world's going to end, you know? Yeah,
0: because I've, I've seen it occasionally. I I basically don't watch TV anymore because yeah, of no, these things. I, I don't Streaming watch Streaming services sort of only because I can yeah. do it on demand. <laughs> Hashtag Netflix if you're yeah. out there yeah. <laughs> and you want to sponsor Space Brands.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> joking, but not joking.
1: Not joking, but not joking. Hashtag.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, urge everyone else listening to this podcast: just stop watching TV, because <laughs> apart from the streaming services like Netflix, well, yeah, I'm, that's not TV. I'm doing commercial television because, yeah. yeah, Netflix isn't selling you out to commercials.
1: No, they're just they're, selling you out to Netflix.
0: <laughs> they're, they're just glueing your eyes to Netflix for yeah. money, which is what I want. I want to pay them money to get things in my eyeballs, not pay them my attention so they can cram garbage into me, you know, like yeah, this. Yeah. I want to pay for my garbage is what I'm I, saying. I want
1: to pay for them to cram more films like this film into my eyeballs. Yes, you know, like I can yeah, yeah, the, I'm happy with that.
0: I can choose the consumption of garbage I I get. Yeah. So anyway, um tell me did you have a favourite scene? <sighs>
1: that president scene at the start is pretty powerful, isn't it? Um I think it's also like that that, there's a really magical moment later in the film when the comet is actually in the sky and they sort of spot it. And so Leo, uh, Dr. Mindy, pulls over and he like spots it in his car and it intercuts with um, uh, Kate Debaski as well and she's noticing it where she is. And he pulls up and people are tooting, you know, because he's just stopped in the middle of the road and he's like, there it is, there it is. And... Then people really notice it, yeah. And I I think that says a lot as well that as humans, you know. And and I think this is probably where the metaphor to climate change comes into play because we can't necessarily see climate change. You know what the scientists mm. are talking about climate change, and so it's all theoretically. And it be it would be the same here. You know, you're like oh, a comet is coming to Perth, in, uh, not Perth. <laughs> a comet is coming to Earth in six months, and everyone's like. Yeah, but I can't see it. Yeah, but like, is it? like, like Really? Or is it going to miss us? Like, did you do the maths right? Is something... Normally, this doesn't really happen. Like, yeah. like who... You know, like, we need to see it. And I think that was a cool scene in this film that he pulls over, he starts screaming up to everyone, there it actually is, I told you. And and people actually get out of their cars and they kind of look. And there's a bit of a magical moment there that that oh, the reality sinks in that here it is. Like, it's actually there in the sky. Mm. We can really see it. Becomes it becomes you know? a significant movie. Yeah. And, and likewise, if I think about 10 minutes later in the film, Jonah Hill and the president are trying to do a real speech to rednecks and, like, one of the rednecks looks up and goes, hey, they lied to us because <laughs> it actually is there because they were hashtagging don't uh, don't look up, don't look up, like, don't look up at the sky. And But anyway, like, he suddenly realizes a couple of months after this realisation that actually it is in the sky, you know? And uh, so that's kind of the irony of, yeah, we need to see it and more so for people to believe it. But isn't
0: that funny that just the black and white opposites, and and we we had that in Australian politics too, that the opposition party, not always, but we go through phases where the leadership party says black and the opposition will come out with something that says white. Yeah. (laughs) Only if it would be utterly ridiculous for them to say the opposite. In which mm. case they say, yes, but we would have done better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and it's it
1: they say they should have done better. Yeah, they, they, they should have never, done better.
0: there's never sort of that, no, you're right. Actually that was a good job you guys did. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. You know, I, I think we also would have done a good job, but mm. you handle it. Yeah. No, never. No. And I think a bit of honesty like that would be nice. Yes, it would. And it would also be nice if the leadership every now was sort to of go, uh, you know what? We we should have actually done what they said. Like, perhaps we but yeah okay we're going to do better next time. Yeah, yeah. but, but no, no, you're not going to get that. But so it, is, is, here you just get that. Look up, don't look like the yeah. opposite. Don't look up, as opposed <laughs> look to. Up. Uh, it's not important. It's, yeah, it's yeah they don't come up with anything else. No, <laughs> they just say just the opposite. Yeah, just, just don't, don't look up. Look don't look don't up. listen to them.
1: Yes. So why <laughs> why sorry is this a science fiction? I mean, it's a comment in space. There's a lot of maths. There's stupid politicians reacting in stupid ways. To me, that seems like the real world. How is this film a sci-fi?
0: I always fall back to that same thing. If we took out the the comet and the maths mm-hmm. and the science part, you, you, you wouldn't have any story here. Because yep. the whole uh, crux of this, the whole satire really, is that there's this uh, verifiable, measurable, repeatable peer-reviewed and confirmed fact Mm. and that's put into place and then the circus that goes on around it like Mm. people start pulling this fact left right there are people who think yes it's coming but it'll be good for us Mm. um you know because it'll miss but it'll actually do something wonderful it's a spiritual awakening oh no it's you know it's not even real and you know it's just uh you need to have because if if you had something that was a bit more if mystical let's call it the second coming of jesus yeah you know i get sure that is totally open to interpretation because you have got some cult member saying jesus is coming yeah and yeah it's not a verifiable thing you can't go out and look at it, but this thing here, you could just go grab a telescope, look yeah, yeah. up at that spot of the sky, and see the comet. You could measure it over the course of a couple of days, do your own calculations, yeah. and in fact see that it's is, gonna is hit. It's coming, you know. Like, <laughs> and they, they said, "Yep, um, you know, NASA did it, and the, the the president got some you know Ivy League people because apparently <laughs> their maths is better, yeah, uh, or different somehow, but they confirmed it." Yeah. And So. The science in this is pivotal to the the satire and to the drama and tension mm. without having a an empirical scientific basis, you wouldn't be able to have this humor Fair or enough. This, the the movie itself would just there would be nothing yeah it would fall because what would you be trying to convince you'd be trying to convince the the president that uh you know Tom Cruise is actually getting back with Penelope Cruz yeah, right. And, like, you know, this is a major thing. And, and it is. It's like, oh, does that mean he's left Scientology? <gasps> ooh, whoa, well, this is a scandal. You yeah. know, like, But it doesn't have the gravitas, does it? No, like, it doesn't. Because nobody cares. Yes. And it, if it's true or if it's false, it ultimately means nothing. Mm. But a uh, comet hitting the Earth, true or false, that's meaningful.
1: Yeah. And it's it's an interesting conundrum, the old comet coming to planet Earth, isn't it? Because it's something that is an out there fear of us because, you know, this... It's like, happened before. It's happened before. We do get hit by comments anyway, daily or whatever it is, but, you know, to have something that might be huge, uh, they did refer to, you know, uh, Jennifer Lawrence did say at some point early, this is a comment that's bigger than that wiped out the dinosaurs, so that kind of classic analogy, um, and... So so that's based on the science and then it's so then in films like this because it's the same in deep impact it's the same in armageddon it's like well then the fiction part also comes in because it's like how we would possibly deal with it. Yeah. And so Is in this film yeah. in this film there's the kind of same idea of armageddon let's send up a astronaut and nuclear bombs and kind of just deflect it which I think you've even spoken about previously on space brains like that's a legitimate
0: yeah, there uh, is a there plan. Is a space like defense, they, they have a defence plan, as it shows in the the start in of the, the films. The, like that there actually is a planetary defence yeah. force. Yeah, basically,
1: <laughs> which doesn't seem to have any power, does it? Because he, he makes the argument she's not the president is not interested. Yeah, um, and then but then also the fiction comes in deeper with Bash's sort of plan of yeah. drones and. Breaking up the meteor with all these little separate drones and blah 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 so that's kind of like pretty cool as well. So what about uh, any recent sci-fi or creative projects for
0: Surrey? For Surrey Surrey has released uh, finally the what I'm going to call the final revision. Of mm. my novel So Exciting For those of you who don't know I do have three books out Published on Amazon Nice it's called the Exit Plan Trilogy So yep. that's What is my exit plan This is my exit plan And I need an exit plan Beautiful Yeah I know It's, it's great it's, it's based on a radio drama An audio drama That I did called Exit Plan Exit Plan uh, It's a little bit different But it's basically the same Sort of story Sci-fi It's Kind of like yeah that pause says no <laughs> <laughs> sci fi fantasy yeah it 's a it 's a contemporary fantasy, so it 's about yeah. it 's about a man, but the thing that I do like about it, and i can 't help it in my writing is I do like this collision between rationality and the irrational mm. and that's and i 've mentioned it before in these sci fi films we watch when the spiritual gets interjected into rational mm. uh, i like I like that um Crossover. The, yeah, the crossover. So I don't like the science versus religion. No. Like yeah, the whole contact. I, I didn't appreciate contact for that aspect where at the end they sort of have this which I think is a ludicrous argument, and I'll get into why it's a yeah. when nonsense. we do contact. When we do contact. But <laughs> but I do like the fact that in contact, um the the, the Julia What's the name? The the, the the act the actress woman with that really strong southern accent. She was in Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Oh. Goodness. Julianne Moore or something. No, it's not no, um, Julianne Moore. No, um, I don't know who is that? Keep talking. If and... your name is Julianne Moore, get in touch with me and let me know. <laughs> no, what Julianne you
1: Moore is a big actor as well, oh, okay. but not not from *Contact*. Um,
0: you know, but anyway, like it's it's cool in that she's forced to maybe consider that there is. Um, a perspective view like there, there is a jodie foster jodie foster <laughs> yes she, she has to consider that reality may not always be as objective as she wants yeah like sometimes there is a bit of subjectivity involved mm. uh, and in my book i have a similar thing where i've got the main character It's oh, let's face it hits me uh he's not entirely me but he's a bit more of a dick than i am and <laughs> According he, to he you, has, he has to face a bit of magic and yeah. like this monster he witnesses, which makes no sense. So that's what you've written before. I've and written, currently your. Well, I revised it and did a re-revision revision. Ah, you've done a revision. And that's of been it. released now, and I'm actually ah. advertising it on Amazon at the moment. Right? Okay. So
1: awesome. So there's a new version, new edition.
0: See what sort of crap I write. <laughs> and, well, not crap at all. And, and 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 I'm actually now revising. I've got about four other novels sitting on my hard drive mm. that I'm revising. I'm going to release now.
1: Get your creative projects out there, people. Yes. There's
0: no point in them having on a hard drive, collecting and digital I, dust. And I've got I've got a list of sci-fi ideas that I want to do. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and yourself, what, what have you been up to?
1: Uh, well, my film, Harold the Plumber, has gone out. It was selected for the Perth Independent Film Festival, uh, i 've got a I do have to sit down and enter it into a few other festivals but yeah so that 's heading out on the film festival circuit uh, there is plans for another short film uh later this year, but that will come after our inaugural space brains sci fi film festival oh and so, what a great film festival this is going to be yeah we've had some really positive feedback and Funding opportunities, I don't still probably don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet of that until we have money in the bank. (laughs) But yeah, we've had great chats locally uh, with funding possibilities, which is exciting. So as soon as that is locked in, uh, I'm sure the festival can gain some traction. Uh, Again, if you're listening
0: and you'd like to come to the festival, when is it? It's uh, May 21, 2022. So oh, we're in that year now. So I we don't are have to say 22. That yeah. So May 21.
1: For us, it is the middle of January. So if you're listening, it's probably more like February, and that's fine. So start thinking about organising how you are going to get to Mandra for May 2022. And I know that's a bit up and down because COVID keeps changing everything, and the way our politicians dealing with it here locally kind of keeps changing. But if you're locally bred in Western Australia, think about hey, I'll do a day trip to Mandra. No, or I might stay place. over for the night. I should book some hotel accommodation, maybe a Sample nice out restaurant.
0: Fine restaurants, and yeah, that's right. Accommodation
1: so you know, come down, check it out, and make sure you come say hi to us. And also let us know. Maybe is there something workshop wise you'd be interested in listening to or speak? You know, having. Uh, you know, um, be learning in the room, about, yeah. yeah, learning about a particular topic because we are putting those kind of final uh, touches to the workshop. So I'm all excited about that. You know, it's not head in the sand.
0: No, no, we've got <laughs> a list of It's head in tasks. the
1: universe thinking about what sort of possibilities we can have out there. If you'd like to sponsor the event, get in touch. Uh, plenty of opportunities. So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. So, let's move into Don't Look Up in terms
0: of some of the details, Sorry, Some of the details of the narrative structure, some of the plot points, some of the film techniques, some of the camera lighting, some of the sound, any other social commentary and so forth. That's what we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, so this was written and directed by Adam McKay. As mentioned before, he's a real big Hollywood comedy producer, Anchorman. I mean, who doesn't like Anchorman? Uh, he, he made one and two step brothers um the other guys uh, and then a couple of years ago he had the big short, which he won an Oscar for writing you know script nice. writing uh nominated best director, best film, but you know he, he only took out the Oscar for i think you know best script writer or best script whatever they call it so good on Adam McKay, take you know career a little bit different he's also a producer of many many other different types of film. And he's obviously put this film together um uh, we mentioned before the the story did come from him and another fellow, but he is a screenplay um he wrote the screenplay and directed this film. cast is massive, good old leo DiCaprio i mean this guy is just a superstar, isn't he I mean one of my wife's favorites i mean I still don't even the issue i <laughs> I had, and I don't know if you had the same thing, was that he just still looks kind of like a boy to me because I'm just like, I've grown up with him and he, you know, I think of Romeo and Juliet. Like, I can't help but see him as a boy, even though now Titanic, he's like, yeah. yeah, you know, now he's a man, you know. Jennifer Lawrence uh, plays Debaski, Meryl Streep. I mean, this woman is incredible. I love Meryl Streep. And again, I mean, she can't, she plays this role. She's kind of like Trump. She's an idiot. Well, she's
0: into sex, like she's horny. She's. I, I, yeah, I would say she's like, like like Trump. She's far too like she's really savvy. She's so a bit she's more a savvy mixture, than that. But she's, she's all, a mixture of a few of these, yeah, these presidents. I think. I think so. She's a bit like
1: Bush, maybe. Maybe a bit more like George Bush. I don't know. Clinton. Like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you know. Just, I don't know funny. But you know, she had the photo of her and Stephen Skull. Yes. <laughs> was the photo? And that's really funny if you look into that. A little side note, go Google Steven Skull. He's he's got lot he's connected to Putin. Like he's really heavily connected yes. to Putin. He's not in Hollywood at all. Big sex scandals. And I just thought it was quite funny that they put her uh, with Steven Seagal. (laughs) Like that's on the, you know, even at the end of the film when everything's blowing up, that photo comes by again. Like it's great. Uh, Then um, uh, Kate Blanchett, Australian, Kate Blanchett, terrific actor. She should come along to the film festival. She should. Um, She plays this TV host, again, like, it's an extraordinary performance. I actually do, as a side note, and let me know if you disagree, the women in this, I feel, were the standout. Like, Meryl, uh, Jennifer and Kate were just incredible. I really thought... The
0: thing I loved about Jennifer's performance in here is she has in the past copped flack for her acting. like Mm -hmm. Because we all know and love her from the... um, Catching fire and... Hunger Games. Eating games or something other. Like <laughs> Hunger Games. Hunger Games. She was, she was, she she was, was very hungry for three films. in the Hunger Games films. where, yeah, she got a bit of, you know, flack for being a bit of a, a you know, bit wooden or bit, a bit of a, a cardboard cutout and so forth. And then she did a couple of things, but this, I, you know, as Jennifer Lawrence, she I think she's almost unrecognisable. Yeah. Like, yeah, she plays this more sort of punk, sort of rebel scientist mm. person
1: so it's a bit more subtle isn't it it's like yeah. she's kind of subtle in terms of the how her character is in the world and, and her and emotional
0: expression in this is is more active and um mm. ragged you know it's, yeah, it's yeah. good it's yeah. so like it actually took me a few moments to recognize it was Jennifer Lawrence yeah because i was expecting her to, yeah, her to be a media
1: personality they they definitely taken and they took a bit of her i suppose I mean, I, I hate to say this, but they took a bit of a natural beauty away and they made her a bit more punky and a bit more scientist-y, but not nerdy. Yeah, I don't know. She was a complex character. She delivered, and like I said, the women in this, I think, are the standout in terms of performances. Uh, Rob Morgan, he plays the Dr. Teddy. Uh, Jonah Hill, which you mentioned, like he's kind of the dickhead son, chief of staff. I, I actually really liked like, it. Like, like, it I was good. He's, he's um, Mark Rylance played that, Peter Urshua, which was he was cool.
0: Was he the same guy who who was in Ready Player One, the you the nerd main been. character who ran the He's second world? Film? Famous, he won an Oscar for Bridges
1: Spies, which and he also won a. He did that in theatre in Britain, um. So he 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 did the same role in the theatre play and then in the Steven Spielberg film, and he won an Oscar for that. He was really cool, um, because he was kind of creepy and. Sophisticated and then also businesslike, which then when uh, Mindy pulls him up on being a businessman, he takes a really high offence to it, doesn't he? Um, Timothy Sharma plays Yule. Tyler Perry plays Jack Brenner. Ron Perlman... Who doesn't like a bit of Ron Perlman? Hey, eh? sorry, he plays the crazy racist. Oh, uh, was he not crazy? astronaut? No. And
0: everyone keeps going.
1: Oh, it's a different generation. Yeah, uh, I liked uh, that. You know, I, I've
0: got a little note in my notes, notes here. Ron Perlman shouting at kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it's,
1: and he's just like he starts being quite racist, and, and they're like, it's a different generation. Well, like, the funny I, thing I, I that.
0: thought though, going up in that shuttle, it was kind of racist, not racist. You know, it was like that. You Know there's a lot of white men down there doing great work, and you're like, okay, that's kind of. I wouldn't say that he's being, uh, you know, purposefully sexist, like, he's not trying to make a point. Yeah, that would be a generational thing, like, that's the language that he would use, yes, definitely. But then he went, Yeah, when uh, I want to say, you know, thank the Indians, yeah, you know, both (laughs) the uh, the the curry and with the elephants and so forth, (laughs) and the ones with the bows and the arrows, you know, I'm like why don't they ever team up? You know, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Like, so it's like, he's kind of, he has this weird external sort of um, view, which is mm. like racist in the way that it segregates, but yeah. he just kind of, and then he starts to say something about, it. and then the gay men like cuts off, like they cut him off, you know, yeah. you just think I wanted to hear what he had to say. because yeah. He's got no would,
1: filter. And that's it the would thing. Have been, it? Like,
0: it would have been amusing. Whatever he was going to say was going to be funny. Yeah,
1: he's but he's great, Ron Perlman. He, he plays the tough astronaut's going to save the day, you know, so to speak. Uh, Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi play the that relationship. The celebrities they play separate celebrities, and then Hamish Patel, the comedian, uh, rounds it out. And Philip, the journalist. This was filmed in the USA. Oh,
0: he, wa- he was mm-hmm. Halliday. Who's in that player
1: one? Who's
0: that? Uh Ishawell.
1: Yeah. Because I reckon that's the voice. Mark Rylance. That
0: strange sort of voice like this <laughs> that he spoke with. And he's playing
1: he's playing a weird the, version of the, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, because
0: it? it's that same guy. A slightly like, less human yeah. character version yeah. of the same one from Ready Player One. Yeah. Okay. I'm Who's, glad I got that satisfying because I, I, I annoy my wife every night. We watch a movie or something, I go, that guy. Oh, where do I, I know the voice? Know the, and I look it up and I go Oh, he's from that the Unicorn Shop.
1: Yeah, and he's the BFG. That's he's not it. from the
0: Unicorn Shop. The guy I was thinking about. Yeah, it was, but he's,
1: he's the BFG The BFG, as well. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and that, that rounds out the thing. This was filmed, obviously, in the USA. A huge budget from Netflix of 75 mil. So, this was a Netflix film
0: uh, created for Netflix, obviously. That must have largely gone to the stars and the cast. Yeah. Because you can't get... Uh, you know, Ariana Grande and Ron Perlman and Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, what did she get paid for passengers? Like $20 million or something.
1: Yeah, she got paid double what Andy yeah. did, didn't she? Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Chris Pratt. Chris. <laughs> Andy. Yeah, poor Chris. Had to, He had to put it up with just $10 million. Just $10 of him. Like, yeah, he wasn't as well known. I can't even conceive of that sort of <laughs> thing.
1: Anyway. So, look, we're going to break down the narrative into some of the key parts, uh, not go through, obviously, every scene or anything. This is a two-hour and 20-minute film. If you, if you haven't watched it, you should have watched it by now, but if you haven't, pre- buckle down, <laughs> give yourself enough time. I didn't give myself enough time when I sat down. I thought it was a little bit shorter. But we do like to break the narrative down with some common elements that you can find from all good story and script writing teachers. These come from people like Campbell Snyder, McPhee and Field, McKee. plus many others, uh, where basically there's a three-act structure, so beginning, middle, end, and then they those acts get broken down into what we call beats or scenes or particular moments.
0: Yeah, so we have Act 1, of course, uh, and we'll be nice and brief in this, but Act 1 is the opening image. It states a bit of a theme. It gets all your characters sorted out so you get an idea of who they are, what they're trying to do, what their problems are. And then we end up with this catalyst moment, this inciting incident, Mm. this um, question that gets asked, which we're hoping the film will answer. Yeah. Or it's a a promise of a, you know, introduces the premise. The promise of the premise is what comes out. to shake the world up. But this is the bit which says, hey, here's kind of what's going to happen. Get ready. Yeah. And, whether and sometimes it's a false inciting incident, like you think, ah, this is going to be a murder mystery, and it turns out, no, it's an action yeah. romance. Yeah. Um, but most often, you, you do at that point have an idea of what this film is going to be. Yeah. And the films that you tend to get up and walk out on are usually the ones that don't introduce this catalyst at the right point. That's right. I was going to say early enough, but. Well, yeah, if you're walking out, I haven't done it early enough. Yep. Some films, it's a little bit later. Some films a little bit early. Some as early as like 10 minutes. Sometimes it's like 17, 18 minutes. Yeah. Some it can be even the half hour mark if it's a one of these slow burn building sort yeah. of a thing. But that being said, the catalyst will introduce a question that the main characters have to answer. They go, mm. are we going to take action A or action B? Are we yeah. going to continue this film... Or does the story end here? Yes. And of course, we know this story continues, but it's important, like, it's a part of the character and the story yeah. as to why they make that decision.
1: But that that is why it has to happen early, sorry, because if it doesn't happen, if it happens too late, you are walking out because you have kind of like, well, where is this going? Yeah. You know, so it does, I mean, whether it's 10 minutes or 12 minutes or 20 minutes kind of does depend a bit, but, but it needs to happen early enough because... If it doesn't, we, the audience, are kind of going, well, where is this going? Like, Mm. you're kind of drawing out that introduction too much.
0: Well, see, I I think Cosmos, we did a previous episode, is an example where the the catalyst moment was kind of stretched and staggered over a longer period. Yes, Because that movie was, uh, I I could call it a hockey stick movie. You know, it starts with a a flat trajectory coming in. It sort of builds, builds, builds. And then when it hits a certain critical moment in the second, the the, the final third of the film, it just ramps whew, straight to the universe, like to the ceiling. Yeah, and and so it's appropriate to draw that chaos out. Some films, it's really early on. Like yeah. you get your, your kids' movies in particular. Yeah, yeah, they'll whack that in from ten minutes to twelve minutes because. You know, you're looking for something snappy and easy and accessible. Act 2.
1: Yeah, Act 2, we get into possibly, like, where what are the characters going to be doing with about this Catalyst? Um, you know, what's their plan? This quite often leads into what they call the fun and games, meaning, the, like, you know, okay, if we're deciding to do this path, well then, hey, what's all the fun on that path? You know, if there's a bomb on the bus... Well, what are we doing about the bomb on the bus? You know, <laughs> um, if we need to save the princess in the castle and we have got to go through the forest and the desert and swim the be- greatest ocean that ever li- ever existed, you know, like, okay, well, we're going on that journey, you mm-hmm. know. So um, if we all got so drunk last night, we don't remember what happened and then we've got to recount what we did last night. This is the fun and games part. Yes. So the fun and games is quite often like the trailer. It's the character in investigating it during these fun and games. Um, as I said, it could be a comedy, so it's like a bit or jovial, but it could also be action-packed stuff, you know, bomb on the bus stuff. Um, and we also have a bit of B-story rolling out. This could be love interest or friendship or some other theme that's being investigated. And this all heads to the midpoint. So the midpoint is exactly halfway through the story, um, and the midpoint can either be a bit of an upper or a downer which then leads the character down a path. And traditionally down that path, things get worse. So even if the midpoint was a bit of a positive, from here things are thrown at the character and quite often these are called the bad guys close in, all is lost, the dark night of the soul, and that all leads to a break into the third moment. Uh, Even if it's a positive upbeat moment, then things start going bad. If it's a negative midpoint, then things kind of get even worse for the character. Mm. Um so you know, if it's an action film, it's very obvious. It's kind of the bad guys literally closing in. If it's a it's when a,
0: James Bond gets captured. Yeah. You know in, and, in most James Bonds, he gets captured at some point. Yep. And usually this would be because this part,
1: the two thirds of he's the He's been film. doing
0: the infiltration, everything's going yep. great. And then at some point in the middle he'll get captured yep. or his friend will get captured or something. That's right. That's and it just then when he, and that's for
1: James Bond that's not a big deal he can escape being captured right so he starts getting out of it and then it turns the bad guys closing in is that his partner or the person he trusted Double crosses him And oh. now he's really trapped Or the woman at the bar Who he seduced earlier in the film And had a bit of fun with Is actually working with the bad guy And has now double crossed him Or something oh, no. So you know Or she's got some piece of information That he wants And she he can't get it And he's trapped So yeah This is what leads to that Then that break into three The point of the break into three moment is that the character has learned from all of these trials and tribulations and journey, whether it's physical or spiritual or whatever. The break into three means that they suddenly go, do you know what? Life's been a bit shitty. This plan didn't really work. This path, this journey took me. Now I'm stuck. Now I'm underwater. There's sharks circling me, whatever. The bomb has exploded the bus. I failed, but what I do now means we move into the third act. Yes. And so if they just did just give up and laid down and died or rolled over and said, that's it, I give up on my James Bond goes, right, that's it, I don't want to be an agent anymore, that would be the end of the story. But they don't, do they? They quite often then come up with a new plan and that's where we head into the third act.
0: The third act, of course, is the finale. And we have, uh, classically, it'll be a plan being hatched, like, we've come from that dark point where yep. it's like, everything's all crap, but there's some inspiration. And then they go, oh, you know what? There is this one chance. Yes. And they go, you know, so they gather their it's resources. It's a slim chance, but we can do it's it. just so crazy, it might just work. That's right. <laughs> and they, they, they gather their resources and they head out on it. That yeah. that will fail, almost always that, initially. It will not actually But it gives fail. them enough
1: hope to push on, right?
0: It may be, you know, in the 80s action films, it's when, like, the bad guy seems to get killed, and they, yes, I managed to do it. But then, of course, there's always a little twist at yeah. the end where the bad guy comes back. The characters have to grow; they have to demonstrate yeah. something they stepped on. And in, in Die Hard, it was um, the the cop who shot a kid and never used a gun since. Like, and apparently, that's a bad thing. Like, okay, well, it's bad you shot a kid, but it's also it's probably good that you're not going around just pulling your gun. <laughs> but he shoots. You know, he suddenly gets the bravery and the courage because he's inspired by John McClane. Yeah. So then you get the the final images where you see the aftermath. Yeah. You see the 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 hero enjoying the spoils of their victory, basically. Yeah, and it. you see how their life has changed, how the world has changed. And in this film we very literally see how the world has changed.
1: We do. We do. So let's go back to the start of Don't Look Up. Um this is a great one. We were just saying about the inciting incident. I felt sorry that a, we get straight into the story. So we're, we're sort of set up. We're at the um, Michigan State University. There's a big um, astronomy tower, a telescope that she's working on. Very quickly spots this anomaly that yeah. she then, you know, she goes to that um, TV screen and she obviously goes back I presume maybe days or something. And yeah. she, so you can see that the comet is traveling. Yeah. And so it's a great visual cue for an audience. Like, oh, they, yeah, this comet's coming towards us. as a GIF, isn't it? You know, yeah. <laughs> she I, creates a GIF.
0: It's probably usually a bit more like the um, images we saw in Cosmos. Like it's just it a sort of weird is. blobby yeah. stuff with
1: nothing. But no, this was and more... she understood it, but... Yeah. But this was more traditionally the way we see a comment, yeah. Um, and very quickly she gets Mindy, and there's the other people, and they he starts getting into the maths, and I quite like to that. They're all kind of loving the maths part, and he's oh, I I haven't done those maths since you know I was a junior, you know, and and he starts doing them, and she again, you know, it's interesting. She again is the one that says why do the numbers keep getting lower, and he stops, and we see him. Calculating and real and he rubs off the last number A and zero he's like, dot zero, yeah mm. um, yeah, so he's realized what she's questioning, and uh it's not good yeah. you know in his face, and so they and then they report it you know really quickly, and you know that's an interesting one that they reported it to NASA, and NASA's like, oh, okay, yeah okay, the numbers work out. And they get the defense guy on the line and, uh, you know, he's sort of stopped in his tracks. What,
0: what I like here is they very quickly gave us a hint that this movie's not going to be entirely serious. No. So they said, you know, the head of the planetary defense yeah. organization or something. They kind of bring up and the logo. And it comes and says, yes, that really exists. This is their real this logo. This is their logo. <laughs> like, so that kind of comedic... Yeah. Presentation. You didn't get that in Armageddon? No. Which was no, ultra melodramatic yeah. the whole time with with Steve Tyler singing his song and Liv Tyler quivering her lower lip or whatever she's doing.
1: But I loved all this because in 10 minutes we've learnt the plot points, you know, a comment's coming to earth, Debaski's found it, Mindy's found it. We also learnt that, like, both of them are quite intelligent people, um, but Mindy is also struggling maybe with speaking up a bit of anxiety you know, he's a, he, that's demonstrated very quickly that he yeah. doesn't. You know, he's obviously a brilliant scientist, but can't quite communicate. Properly. I also
0: like the the line that the uh, NASA woman says: "She says, okay, why have you just cost us eight billion dollars in funding?" Yes, yeah. like like straight into that's the theme of this. Or yeah. Part of the theme of this film is just that the question isn't okay. So what's what's this big news? Yeah, yeah. It's like you've cost us money. Yeah. <laughs> You know, whatever it is you've got to say, you're costing us money. It's like... Well, I
1: suppose is that the is that the whole theme of the film? It's like, you've got this piece of information, but is it more important than this information? This dollars. Yeah. Like, this yes. is money, you know, uh, what do we do with this? There's lots of doomsday stories. Is it really that interesting? It, you know, is like, that the theme? Is that the theme? I like Did you pick up a theme, theme straight away?
0: I picked up the theme spoken by Ishael. And yeah. when he says... Uh, you're, you're like a, you we've got 40 billion data points on you, whatever it is, you know, you run away from pain and run to pleasure. You're like a field mouse. Mm. And that's kind of part of this theme of this thing. One of the themes, yeah. there are, I think there were a couple of themes, yeah. but one of them was definitely that. And I really liked here, we're talking about catalyst. Yeah. Uh, and, and cause I was watching, I was thinking, geez, you know, they sort of got to the whole, the world's coming to an end quickly. Mm. Like, that was done in the first couple of minutes. So I went, well, that can't be the catalyst. And no. so I was watching. And yeah, at the 12-minute mark, just before the 12-minute mark, that's where they finally, like, they're delayed from getting to the president's office. Yep. And then we get the credits. Yeah. Like, suddenly we have all the credits coming. And then they're talking to the president who doesn't believe them or, or is, yeah. is blowing them off. Well, and I, the- and I thought to myself, that's more the catalyst now is because now I'm thinking... Oh geez, what are they going to do? It's not how they're going to deflect the uh, asteroid. It's more like how they're going to convince. Yeah. This? How they're going to get.
1: And activated? that's the inciting yeah, incident, so. right? The inciting incident is like convincing people that this is really important. Um, and that was a great those those scenes when they were waiting in the White House was great. I mean, we had joke humor in there about the food and what. Well, but remember, like someone has a birthday cake. Yeah. And, and she looks it, depressed at the she end. She looks depressed. And then when the president does come in, it's, it's like, oh, we'll be with you. And then you can hear them talking in the other room. And all they're talking about is like this senator guy that's going to be the uh, Supreme Court, whatever, right? Like, it's not as important as the information. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, I think that's the. And even the Pentagon guy then leaves, like he has to be somewhere else, like so. And the point, even even when uh, Mindy calls NASA, they're like, "Yeah, we why why are we speaking? You just cost us eight billion dollars in funding." It's like it's like the, I think the whole point here is like that there's more important information. Like, what's the most important yeah. thing? And no one seems to value what Mindy and Mork, Mork <laughs> have to say. You know, like nothing is is, is important, right? So Dubowski. Um, so, I loved that. And I loved that the catalyst happened that way to me. Sorry, to me, it was like roughly on 12 minutes. Hey, that we're into it. Yeah. So, they do speak to um, the president, played by Meryl Streep. We've got Jonah Hills kind of introduced here. Uh, Teddy, there's a great scene we spoke about a bit earlier. Like, Leo's really grasping. He's trying to express himself. He's got his little book. Um, they. they change the numbers they... they, do. And then Jennifer Lawrence as well, like, she kind of basically sums up, you don't want to come out with this information because you've got midterms and you're you, you going to lose the vote if you kind of come out with a doomsday. And you, you know what I mean? Like, there was like... She was spelling out what they were all thinking. Yeah. But they weren't saying that. They were going, oh, well, you know, yeah, you can't, you know, 70%, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can maybe sell this in the new year.
0: And then <laughs> like, we do... Quite quickly from that we get to the debate, which is a, a genuine, actual yeah. debate where yeah. they're walking along the train, they're going, "Yeah, uh, you know, we've been told not to tell anyone about this. Yeah, but do we leak it to the media? Yeah, and, and Teddy, Teddy do is do like, yeah, and he just says, yeah, yeah, damn right, we do. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty quick in there. Yes, but we find out that that wasn't quite as easy as they thought.
1: No, because then they're in with the media and and. Is it the Herald Sun or the Times? Is it the Times, New York Times? New York or is it, Times, yeah. yeah. They're like they—they seem to be all on their side, and they, they go. I'll get them a lawyer. And he's like, why do we need a lawyer? Yeah, like, like a lawyer. why can't we just tell people to look up? You know, look yeah. up at the sky. And he's like, well, you can't tell people that. You know, and and it becomes very quickly about the. We need to
0: get you some media training. Media training. Yeah. <laughs> so they
1: go on this show, which is Um Evantry and Jack Bremer. Um, who are morning show? They're huge, obviously. Apparently, uh, they do have a run-in with Grande, who kind of you know tells him to fuck off, your old father oh, or whatever. That's, that's
0: funny. Like, where it's just such a superficial thing. Where yeah. she's she's saying all these ridiculous things. I can't remember exactly what she's yeah. saying there. But then he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I heard about your breakup. There, yeah. I, it seemed like really nice." <laughs> and then she gets all like super offended, really offended, and, and aggressively defensive. And you're like. Whoa. And then, of yeah. course, the very next scene, she's on the talk show talking her heart out about this, <laughs> her, the, the heartbreak she's experienced. Yeah. And then she has a marriage proposal on yeah. TV, and they're like, oh, is that? And they're waiting, they're up in the like, And now we've got a little bit of a science experiment. Oh, oh. <laughs> and yeah, it's exactly like this. any given morning show, talk show, there's the exact same sort of garbage presentation of, of rubbish information. And,
1: so, yeah, and, I mean, their actual information, their threat is not taken seriously and Debaski loses her shit. And instantly becomes instantly. a meme. A meme, yeah. And isn't that great? Like afterwards, you, you feel the hopelessness, right? Yeah. But then afterwards when there's that, late, there's that woman presenting back at the New York Times or whatever it is and she's like, Oh, you guys had barely no reach during the interview. You were really low on numbers. There was no there wasn't many people clicking or reacting to your interview. Oh, when you swore people got it that that hit a lot of likes. Yeah. <laughs> but then afterwards immediately you were and it's just like it starts clicking through all those memes and <laughs> photos and um and it was like oh that people have not taken this seriously. They're yeah. really not taking it seriously. What and that, it and that's what the, the people at the time they go, Well, we gave it a shot. You can't sell this story. We're done with this story. Yeah. And it was like, well, what do we do now?
0: Yeah, what do we do? And fortunately, though, of course, uh, we, we do get into the fun and games because uh, the president does call them back up and offer them an apology. That's- and it's, and it's because, you know, we, we've got our top scientists on it, like it, as if these people weren't the top. That's and right. the, um, the the head of NASA had said, no, it's bull crap. And, uh, and then he said, the, the head of NASA is not... A physicist, She's an a anesthetist, an Basically, what does she know about comets? That's right. Yeah, very clever. She's, yes, a doctor, but not a doctor of astrophysics. That's right. So it's like, you know, you're not going to ask an astronomer to, I don't know, anaesthetize someone. That would probably <laughs> result in death. Yes. Quite a bit of it. So, th-
1: so that is the break into two, the fact that they get this second chance from the president. Yeah, you know, and like... this is
0: straight into the, the fun and games where she goes... Oh, she, yeah, she presents the 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 media presentation, and it's like it's on a battleship. Like yeah. I immediately thought of Cher doing if yeah, I can turn right. back. To, yeah, dating me again. Yeah. Um, there's a ridiculous. Cher's not dating me, although although yeah, she's still looking pretty good.
1: There's a total ridiculousness to that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she's given this passionate and, speech, and, and she
0: uses the term preemptive strike. Yeah,
1: preemptive strike. Yeah, <laughs> like
0: <it's> just, <laughs> like the comet is trying to hit us on yep. purpose.
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah. I, no, it's great. So And then
0: Ron Perlman shouting at kids. <laughs> that was, and then we've got to have a hero. Like, they're launching all these rockets up yeah. and they're just going to launch the space shuttle with them for no particular reason. That's right. And they,
1: yeah, that's right. Because Mindy says, oh, yeah, you, you know, they'll probably divert the thing. That'll be a good plan. Oh, no, we've got to send a hero. Yes. You know. <laughs> so the mission uh, does successfully, you know, it's fun and games. So they build the rockets this is also where Mindy starts to, you know, because his narrative arc is that he starts to get allured into this world, doesn't he? And so um, a ventry, I think what was her name, ventry, the Kate Blanchett starts to... Brie, yeah. Brie, they start to romance. She's, she puts her hand on his leg as she's
0: interviewing him. You can quickly tell it's not really a romance. She, she's excited by the... The media attention so, yeah. of it, like yeah.
1: the and also he's excited drama, he's excited yeah.
0: because someone actually is paying attention to him. I yeah, think.
1: I think so too. And yeah. and and his world, he this is the for him, the fun in games is that well, he's he people are
0: paying attention to him, people are interested in him. Um, and I really felt sorry for DeBaski there, where it's like yeah. he kept being referred to as the person who discovered. It. And he's like, That's no, right. he just confirmed <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> but uh, he looked better on camera, yes. So they
1: do successfully launch their mission, and everyone's you know into it and it's been covered by the news and um everyone's happy and we have this great moment in there where you know the rockets go up, and we talked about you know him being a bit racist and sexist and all that kind of stuff but besides that, there's an awesome filmic element here where when they're starting to celebrate, there's pauses like. Historical photos, yes. And the reason why I want to say that is that they they use, Adam McKay uses that technique here, and then the opposite is also used at the end of the film. So it's just a nice bookend that he does. And and to me, this is kind of closing in on the midpoint. So so it's kind of like an upbeat midpoint that they're going to send these rockets yeah. into space. It's not quite the midpoint, but it, it's close to it because then in the success we get this Urshuel character come in. Uh, who we have been introduced to earlier and he's basically Don't make eye Steve...
0: contact, don't make sudden yeah. movements, don't
1: cough, don't say negative. <laughs> yeah. Comments. Uh don't look him in the eye. Um he's kind of Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg, Elon Bill Gates, Musk, whatever, yeah. Elon Musk. Like he's a combination of them all, and he's great because he's 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 quite confusing. He comes in and, and, and there's a, there's a legitimate question Is he allowed in this room, like with all these experts and the president? Oh, he's our biggest donor. Yeah, no, yeah, he gets a he, all, double... he gets an all- now call him like the,
0: the double platinum eagle yeah. donator or something like. Jones, <laughs> I know. he has all these little throwaway lines. That he, just quickly it's like, just shoot in there.
1: He says that and he goes, oh, and it's all access pass. It's yeah. like so, so you know, there, there's comedy to that because obviously it's probably they, not that blatant like in reality. Monetized, but, yeah,
0: they've monetized or gamed this donations yeah. process where you you almost sort of, it's like a, a Patreon, you know, yeah. where you've, you you donate at this level. You donate enough. You get, can
1: just walk into the, the president's White you get House. The yeah,
0: special, you know photograph and the dinner, but then if you pay enough, you just, wherever you want, whenever you want.
1: And anyway, so he has a chat with uh, Orlen, uh, President in and then the next thing you know, the mission starts changing. The rockets turn, the missiles turn, yeah, they all come they back to Earth. parachutes yeah. and
0: start dropping. Yeah. Oh, um, that, that made me so angry.
1: Yeah, and they're all confused. And again, uh, Damascus, or not Damascus. Dabascus um, or Dabasci is, is very, you know, angry about this. Um, they get shoved into a room and they're trying to work out what happened. And this is where they bring across Mindy and Mindy is given the chief scientist to the White House role. Yes. And so, again, it's like alluring him into that world, isn't it? It's yeah. like pulling him in. Dabasci, you're on the other side of the fence. <laughs> and then Jonas and I like an again where yeah.
0: he, he suddenly goes, oh, actually. Do you want to come? Yeah, yeah, you want to come? Oh, yeah, I would love to. And he just closed the door and walked in. <laughs> oh, you,
1: dude. I know. He's so nasty to her. And the thing is, then Mindy starts becoming this kind of prominent voice. We sort of see adverts and, yeah, opportunities. And we learn that basically Bash says, why blow up this ast- um, comment when it's full of all these minerals? It's trillions of dollars of minerals that you know we could excavate and you know Solve end world hunger, and, which is just bullshit. We know it's not true. So if anyway, if you've been looking into the news, they mentioned like in this last twelve months, the ten richest men tripled their wealth. I think to two hundred and forty billion dollar. No. Oh no, 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 it wasn't. It was a trillion dollars. I think uh, Elon Musk himself earned $240 billion during COVID, during the year of COVID. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and the Amazon guy was similar and Bill Gates. I mean, Bill Gates earned something like $140 billion in one year, even though he got a divorce, you know? I mean, it's incredible. So, um, yeah, these guys make a lot of money. So the fact that he sells it as, oh, you can end world hunger or whatever, it's
0: like, no, it's not going to happen. That was clearly not his interest. No. Because he, he said... Oh, uh, it's got all the minerals that you use to make mobile phone yeah. chips. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And you, Oh, and other minerals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, we could solve all the world's problems. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. That's not at all your emoji. No, is it? no. So um, uh, the it, thing that angered me about this, as the sort of person I am, is that the dominant strategy would have been to continue with the deflection mission. Yeah. And then once you've got a margin of safety, yes. now figure out how can we launch up your drones to cut pieces off and yeah. drag them, bring them back. That's right. With no danger. If that yeah, fails, stop no it? problem. Yeah, yeah. But instead, they just totally just stopped. Yeah. Just, and because you see you see politicians doing things like this, so they just go, oh, yeah, we're going to stop the original um, the, the fire alerting system. Yeah. And then the following fire year or something, you get, you know, the worst disastrous yeah. fires in however like a century or something stupid yeah. or they go oh we're going to stop the pandemic alert response system because it's just pointless mm. and then a year and a half later COVID hits and yes. you sort of go like oh god why, why do you not just maintain the the, the dominant strategy here mm. of not deflect, deflect the comet okay now earth is safe you are the saviour of the earth yeah okay, now send your drones up and do whatever the fuck you yeah, want. Yeah, drill it. Whatever, whatever who cares. Yes. Yeah. You know, but no, they, they just went, it's now do or die. We're going to do this. We're going to put all of our faith into this mathematical yeah. modeling, which, yeah, it's crazy.
1: So Mindy does become a prominent voice. And to me, sorry, this is the midpoint. Like it's a negative win because Mindy's been seduced into this world. Um, dabaski has been kicked out and so has um, Teddy uh and um whereas mindy's the opposite he's been pulled into the world and he becomes this representative yeah, of the world so to me it was like this was the midpoint and they've stopped the mission they're now going to do this kind of commercial mission and mindy has kind of become like the others you know yeah, so to to and, me and it, the, it, it's the opposite also of the start at this point because at the start, Mindy and Dabaski were kind of colleagues. You know, yes. they were together. They were in on that battle. Whereas now they're separated. She's been kicked out. He's been included as long
0: as he's on their side. And now you get the bad guys moving in. You which do. Is, uh, they abandon Randall. Yes. Mindy Dabaski just sort of goes, "No, well, I'm out." Yep. Because if I think she is literally driven away with a bag on her head again, and made to sign a thing to say that she won't won't talk about it, talk about it, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, Teddy just sort of drifts off, drifts away. Yeah, he's he's kind of a easygoing sort of character, anyway.
1: Yeah, and the world is also divided here. Bad guys close in between we should do something and we should think of the jobs uh, yeah, well, that's, that's a very it, clear division that's
0: brought in with, with Dubasky Kate she turns up to her parents yeah. and she goes to open the door and they don't let her in you go no politics here we, we're for the job and you're like you're not going to get any jobs no. what does that mean yeah, yeah. their minimum the, wage is $7 yeah. an hour anyway and if like, the
1: world ends like you got no job you I know? wouldn't
0: get out of bed for $7 an hour <laughs>
1: like Are you crazy? So she and then the bad guy, again, so this is metaphors for bad guys turning because to her, she's turned back home. Her parents are dickheads. The world's a kind of dickheads, And so she just gets a job at the local supermarket. She does meet these young punk guys that love her, like love her kind of cult status. And she's like, well, I don't really care. Like, who cares? The world's going to end. So she starts hanging out with them. And then at the same time, Mindy starts questioning Urshelwell and there's that great scene where he does question him. He tells him, oh, well, we've got my phone's got all these sensors that can determine your exact emotional, uh, way, who you used to be and who you will be. and, and We know when it, you're
0: going to die. We know
1: even when you're going to
0: die. And you're going to die alone. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I, I I really love the later on when, when he's talking to the president and says, oh, he says, you're going to be eaten by a, what is it, a, a, a Brontorock. A bronterock, And he says, what's that? We don't know. We don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is great, because then there's that bookend scene at the end there. But we also have the confrontation where the wife confronts Randall. Yeah. So we thought things were bad because he got, um, you know, his his previous colleagues have left. Yeah. And he's sort of joined in there with the dark side, as it were. He's trying his best to kind of steer it sensibly, but it's yeah. kind of, he, he's sort of on board with this high tech solution but he's got confu- you know doubts and then yeah things getting worse because his wife turns up and basically confronts him and says you know what are you doing your life with me or with her and you know the only information he knows about her is her favorite restaurants yeah and she goes oh well let me tell you about me and she lists off these three master's degrees and you know she's incredibly accomplished but none of that means anything. She no. goes, oh, now, where are we going to go for dinner tonight? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. It's just, again, just yeah. this really nonsense sort of thing. Uh, and then we, we also got a few news broadcasts there where we hear some of the rhetoric from the various sides uh, of people sort of, you know, questioning the whether it's the Jews doing something or other, or whether it's, yeah. you know, oh, it's just the liberals are trying to use fear to manipulate you and... Think of the money, wealth, and <laughs> and then the, the comment, someone said, oh, 23% of people don't even believe there is a comet," yeah. <laughs> You know, like, uh, and all of that, I see, is the bad guys moving in on the same. It it's is, like, yeah. The world's
1: If their initial not...
0: mission, that catalyst was, can we convince people, yes, let's go on and do it. Yeah. It's suddenly going, actually, it turns out you, you you haven't really done anything. No, they not, haven't succeeded. You've not succeeded what you thought you were yeah, going to well, succeed at.
1: That's what I mean. like Mindy was sucked into their world and Dabaski was kicked out. You yeah. know, so they're actually less powerful in bad guys close in yeah. because they're not together. They're not fighting that fight anymore. So, yeah, definitely. And then that, um, yeah, Ursula sort of telling him that, because he, he, he tries to say to him, but your plan of these drones, like, you, you know, what's the science? Like, it's not peer-reviewed. We do, we haven't really confirmed this. And he's like, oh, no, it's going to work. Our modeling is going to work. But it's not, he's like, not peer, you know. And then, that, so his answer to that is to basically say to him, well, this is how you will die, die alone, you know. Like, yeah. you don't really know anything. Um, so to kind of crush him down. Um, the all is lost moment to me is that then Mindy, after all that, breaks down on television meltdown, yeah. and has his absolute meltdown. So when everyone's kind of hashtagging Mindy's hot and he's the hot scientist and you know he's got uh, Kate Blanchett um, and he's in the White House, he's got the power position... But still, no one's listening to him. So he he then has that meltdown. He has
0: that. I love his breakdown. moment on Sesame Street. Yeah. So, Doctor, it's all we're gonna all going right? to die. He says, yes, we're all going to die. I'm afraid. Yeah, Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, uh. And then, like the the puppeteer sort yeah. of stands up and looks around and walks off. Yeah. <laughs> and go,
1: oh,
0: um, but yeah,
1: when he has that bra- you know, breakdown after that, it's a very awkward breakdown as well because he kind of goes on and on. I yes. found like he swears and he goes on and on. And then, and then when they cut, they all they leave, and Kate Blanchett basically leaves him. And, you know, in the next set is great, isn't it? Because it cuts to he's now got the bag on the yeah, head in the car, the the which is repetition to what happened to Basqui like, you know, half an hour earlier. And um, Kate Blanchett hops in and, he, and she says, Oh, you know, you had something, but you don't have it anymore. And he's like, Oh, are you still there? And she thinks about it, and it's great because he can't see her. Yeah. And you see her thinking, and she's like, no. No. (laughs) And she she leaves the car. So that, to me, is like really heading towards that, you know, the things have become worse. So leading into just before breaking the thieves, that scene I was saying before, it's like them, they both see the comment. So uh, Dabaski's on the roof with her sort of boyfriend that she doesn't really care about, but she's just, you know, it's the end of the world. Who really cares? And they've had a nice moment, and then she spots it actually in the sky, and we intercut that with Mindy driving and, you know, so he's been tossed away from the White House and the media and all that and he spots it and he gets out of his car and people are honking and tooting and he's like, there it is. This is what we've been telling you about. It's actually there. And he kind of manages to convince those, you know, five or six cars, those people get out and, and they do, they take it in, you know. And I think after that there's a... Bit of a montage of like mobile phone footage yeah, and all the social people media. People realizing up. that, okay, yeah, look up, look up. And that that's where we sort of, now we break into three because Mindy then speaks to Dabaski and says, well, where are you? Let's come together. And he kind of makes amends for what, what he's done. Is, yeah, this is
0: their sort of plan. This is their plan Gather, now. Gathering the resources because did you listen to, uh, you know, it comes up, there's going to be a special concert and it shows that QR code on screen. Yeah. I paused it. And hit that QR code because I was curious. Like they very prominently put it there, and it takes you to the YouTube clip of the full song of Ariana Oh Miranda. right, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, and you you listen to the lyrics of that song. Yeah, where it says you listen to the scientists, yeah, <laughs> the actually funny. qualified people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite funny, but they, they so now they're they're using uh, they're using the 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 enemy against them. You know? so yeah, so they're they're getting the pop stars. In on it to sing this song to get people. They're using all of the social media tags and so forth. But the enemy is using the exact same process back against them.
1: Yeah. So there's a real hashtag, don't look up and look up.
0: (laughs) And so they're really trying to uh, encourage other nations to... Yep. Don't just sit and wait for America to do shit. Which I'm surprised China and Russia would definitely not have waited for America. No, 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 no. They most certainly would have been, like Russia They would have had their own plan. You would have thought they'd go, No, we beat them to space first time, we beat them to this comet. Yeah. We save world, but maybe not America. You know, like, (laughs) I'm sorry to any Russian people listening, uh... That was my attempt at Russian. It was could it well, I don't it it could well have been a drunken Dracula. Well, well, it could have tell. been. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit more Transylvania, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. I'm going to call it... An Australian does generic Eastern European effort. <laughs> uh, yes, but the other nations is their goal. And indeed, it seems that they get that. You know, like the, the Russians and the Indians are doing some sort of joint effort.
1: Yeah, the China, India and Russia have... have, have been cut out. They do a joint effort, um, and just when Mindy and, and Dubasky a, and well Teddy a, have kind of had some moment, that the plan is enacting, people are obviously supporting Aria Grandi and Kitty Cuddy. They're all in on it, so there's support. There, that Chinese-Russian mission blows up.
0: Well, I, I love the irony here is that the reason that they even tried was not because they're inspired, but America. You know, and, and the issue well saying we could solve all these world yeah. problems, but cutting them out, cutting out the other, major, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, powers from the asteroid yeah. wealth. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's kind of, and that inspires them to go, well, we're going to launch our own effort,
1: it so fails. When it fails, Mindy is quite distraught from that. And so it's a great kind of like, you know, well, we tried this plan and we had a bit of momentum, didn't we? But it, It's failed. There's no other attempt. And they actually say, well, there's still Bash's plan. And so that's where we cut to Bash's drones, Bash life. This film is also produced by Bash. Did you notice that? Uh, So in the opening credits, it actually says a Bash's production. uh, So as a joke to what the film is. Um, But yeah, the. Bash's drones go up it's a very scientific thing in the launching it's all successful but then a couple kind of explode on each other yeah and and he's like well oh, that's okay we'
0: well you can see he's a, a little bit stressed. He goes, he's a little bit yeah, stressed but're we fine we're it's fine, fine. We're, we' can still do this you know
1: we've modeled that there's going to be a couple that fail it's yeah. okay you know and then they go up into space and it's progressing and oh, uh, you know, a few another one fails, and I think it takes out another one. And they they do. The Orlean turns to him and says, Well, you know, you, you can and he's like, Oh, no, it's still okay. And you're right, he's like
0: tensing a lot more. Yeah, he's like, how, how many uh, do we need? At- My engineers tell me we need 24. 24. We've just lost six, you can lose six there, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. And the drilling
1: begins where it's going to drill and then blow up the comment, and we see a couple more kind of destroy each other, and then when it blows up, it just doesn't work. Yeah, you it know, doesn't. Blow, and up. with that, Ishuel kind of exits very. Is, I, yeah, I gotta I just, go. I just
0: have to go for a second. Yeah,
1: you know, to the bathroom, and Orlean kind of follows him very quickly, and it's a great moment that I love that because I think. In reality, that's exactly how things like that would play out because people would realise, well, this hasn't worked. It's the end. I'm not going to keep working. I need yeah. to get home. And they all sort of say it. They're like, I need to get home to my children, or I need to get home to my my husband, or yeah. you know, they all kind of have reasons to go.
0: But Jason is left sitting there. He's yeah. the one who dies alone, isn't it? Yeah, it it's is. Interesting. He's sitting there going, "She'll be back. He was, She'll be back." He's She'll on go. the on the phone on the on the airplane flying out and. Yeah. Uh, Talking to uh, uh, Mindy says, yeah. "Oh, there's, there's two. You can bring yourself and your your wife or Brie or whoever you want." Yeah. And he says, "No, I think I'm going to pass on that."
1: Well, yeah, because intercut we've we've kind of jumped over intercut with that plan of bashes was Mindy DeBasky and oh, her boyfriend yes. going
0: shopping and. Well, see, this is the re- after reversal. So the reversal yeah. was the. Last ditch effort of getting the other international forces to do something that sort of failed. That's the reversal. Looks like the bad guy's going to win again. Yeah. And so now they've they employ what they've learned, and what they've learned is stop like running away from the painful things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go and um, resolve them. Yeah, yeah. And And so
1: we can't. They can't do anything to the world to stop it now it's too late there's no less it but what they can do is spend that time with their family and yes. so that's kind of then the plan it's and that that's how this film sort of resolves itself as the world ends is mindy and his family cook a big meal celebrate that meal they celebrate the good times they remember some of their happy memories from their childhood and and they're doing that literally as the world starts blowing up and destroying itself yeah and like i said that that moment earlier in the film when they do send the rockets in space there's these freeze frame historical photo impressions of you know them celebrating and then here at the end as the house is literally cracking and tumbling they each kind of get a freeze frame photo i thought that was really cool so sort of mirrors the The false midpoint now with the end midpoint, this is a little bit what we talked about when we did Donnie Darko, like the anti-hero. This isn't quite an anti-hero story, but it is like a a story where they don't solve their initial problem.
0: Victory doesn't seem to be... What you're expecting the no, victory to to no, be. No, no,
1: that's right. Yeah, the victory is the fact that they decided, well, hang on, no, we can't convince anyone, we can't save the day, but we can spend our
0: last moments. We can moments cherish together. what we have. Yeah. yeah. So that was a really nice, I really liked that. Do it you was, know what I really liked about the ending though? we seeing the ark flying off, and it succeeded. So, yeah. like that satisfied that deep desire for science fiction that wouldn't. <laughs> that was definitely science fiction. So but then, to stop me from feeling too sad, because yeah. I was I was feeling a little bit bummed by the the characters all dying and the world blowing up, but to save me from that, yeah. the the final image is rocket goes through space. So it's no longer a comet coming through space towards Earth. No, it's absolutely. a rocket flying, and it lands on this.
1: Garden of Eden. It says something like 2,000 22,000 Is it 22,000 years later or oh, 2,200 years later? I something something like yeah, And the, yeah, and the doors open and, and the
0: pods all open. A yeah. few of them <laughs> <laughs> it was only, Which is great. There's only a 58 percent failure rate. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which is better than expected. You know, like oh yeah, I did see there were 50 people less than. I, I, I really like that because I reckon that's again really realistic, isn't it? It's amazing know? that that many people succeeded. But yeah, anyway, yeah. they come out into this thing, yeah, and they're all it's like naked a garden and, the and it's a garden. I mean, they're all yeah. going, "This is amazing." Yeah, and this creature comes up it's and b- all the emu goes you know, is. <laughs> Oh, what is this? You know, is that feathers or is that scales? Like, oh, yeah. which is the question about dinosaurs. Are yeah, they, yeah. Were they feathered or were they scaled? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, it jump grabs her face Chumps and throws it down. And, and someone her. says, What the hell was that? And he goes, Oh, I guess that was a Bronterock. <laughs> don't get too close to them. Yeah, don't try petting them. <laughs> and then, like, the monsters are starting to close in on them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Are they doomed to but make all, it or not? The,
0: that Brontoroc comment, I think yeah. it's just, yeah, you know, the fact that. It was like your destiny is to die alone, which you got wrong, but it sounded like a reasonable assumption. Yeah. And the other one came up with Death by Bronterok, yeah. which like first it had to come up with the name Brontoroc. I know. But secondly, it's like it's so outland eaten by a Bronterock, you're yeah. like, that's okay. We don't Obviously even know. Obviously this model is a little bit freaky. A computers you, yeah. come up with strange answers sometimes. Yeah. But actually that was the one that turned out to be the most accurate.
1: Yes. And there is a little post credit scene. I don't know if you caught this, sorry, but there is a little scene at the end of the credits where Jason, so Jonah Hill, yeah. does emerge from the rubble and he's still got a handbag. Yes. And he kind of starts filming himself as the last man on earth <laughs> and we just pan out and it's destruction everywhere, yeah. you know, and he's like, last man on earth, peace out. YouTube, subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, because remember, he has that moment, he's like praying for things, praying for material things. So, even at the end of the world, if he's the last human on the planet, he's still into stuff. So, yeah, it, it does have that comedy element, but I'm really interested in if you're out there and you watch this film and you listen to us talk about it, you know, were you laughing the whole way or were you cringing or were you stressful? Because, yeah, I was quite stressed. A couple of things I want to talk about is the camera. Um, I just want to mention there was great use of focus. So there's a lot of focusing in and out on the characters, on the objects, deliberately kind of in and out. Um, that stock footage that we talked about earlier, yeah, like that was, that, was cool. that was really cool. As I said, it was quite often interconnected You know, like, oh, well, if we don't do anything, the world's going to end. And it was interconnected with whales and babies. And it was like, so it was kind of really touching on that emotion. And then even at the end, you know, that when the world started destroying, there was some very interesting intercutting with... You know when when it hit the Earth, you see this huge sort of plume of smoke, and then your tidal waves and the vibrations, and we were intercutting then to you know Mindy and his house and the family having a good time. But there was also some other moments like there was that Indian dancing. Yeah. And the fireballs, as the fireballs came all around him. This is the, the bow and arrow type. The bow and arrow, yeah. The American Indian or indigenous person. Yes, probably, we, probably, we, do, probably we do
0: apologize to the Native American people. Yeah, Native no American. The first um, Americans.
1: First Americans, definitely. Uh, but, you know, that was a really kind of, yeah, impassionate scene. Again, it's like, I think it's... To me saying Adam McKay is trying to say you know like if you don't do anything you lose all this stuff you know mm. you lose all these elements. You right. lose all these it How was about, about the material? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very
0: heartbreaking as well. I was seeing with a little baby just Yeah, a little baby and you know, in yeah. the in the bathtub yes. and you think you you just got born at the wrong yeah, time. Yeah, the
1: wrong time, yeah. Um and yeah those freeze frames I did talk over and also the you know the the crossover to the mobile fi- phone footage as well. Editing something else in this film I wanted to mention, sorry, that the scenes are really intercut. So what I mean is we have moments where, you know, for example, two characters, Mindy and that are talking on the TV program and that's intercut with like the next scene and then we come back to that scene. And there's a great example later before he has his breakdown or when it's, no, it is when he's having his breakdown, Mindy, and it cuts to the makeup brush is like brushing his face. Yeah. So it's a super close up of his face. This may and so it's a really intense look with his eyes, him contemplating probably should I have a breakdown. But the breakdown's happening as well. Yeah. So this film plays with the timing of the scene. So we're already into the next scene when we're still sort of in the previous scene. And and so that really plays with the feeling of anxiety and, and you know, because it's like oh, that scene's not resolving itself. You know, yeah. like there's no happy ending well, here.
0: Well, that, that was also uh, in that catalyst moment with the credits. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, they, they they get to talk to the president. Yeah. Do we find out really what comes out of that? No. no we've got to wait for the credits. We've got to wait for the credits now. <laughs> yeah. which, which means you, you're left going, okay, yep, yep, that's really cool seeing all these names. Yeah.
1: But we're Let's, stuck in that
0: pause, yeah, aren't we, yeah.
1: Which... Which was what the characters were Which going. The characters through. were in that moment. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah.
0: It worked really well, and the credits were interesting to watch because they weren't just white text scrolling up. No, they were sort of very vibrant, yeah,
1: vibrant, it, huge, uh, yeah, across uh, the screen. Nouveau, yeah.
0: I guess maybe sort of things is great. So anyway, let us know what
1: you thought about those plot points. Did we miss any that you really loved? Let us know what you loved, what you didn't love. Um, and how this film made you feel and and some of those film filmic elements all right, ladder time. where ladder. do you put this on your ladder? Our ladder is kind of basically not so much saying which is the best film to the worst film, but actually just an order of watching the films like a preference if you If you started on our number one and went all the way through, this would be a incredible viewing experience. Where are you putting
0: don 't look up sorry. okay, mine is going in. It's going to be either... Whether if we if you start watching at number one, it's going to be early. Yeah. So, it's in there just after The Dish. Ooh, okay. So, I, I felt there was a resonance there. I really loved the that subtle Australian humor of The Dish. Yep. But it was still talking about space. Yeah. And in this case, it was the hope of the moon landing mm-hmm. and how that was bringing everyone together. And then you've got this subtle humor of the um, end of the world, which... I, I said I was almost uncertain how I felt about the ending of it. Yes, it was saved by that comedic ending, hmm. which brought me back from that. Oh, what a horrible ending <laughs> yeah. to Um So yeah, up up there, you'd then be getting a bit of District Nine, India. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, right. Uh,
0: and then Eternal Sunshine, Spotless One. So there's hmm. kind of uh, there's a good, you know, I like some of these less action oriented or, or straightforward films. Yeah. So. But I do like to intersperse with some of this action and things. And yeah, so, a bit of diversity. So I'll put it in there. Um, it's going to be, we're, we're getting quite a big ladder now. I'm, we are. I'm wondering if we're going to have to break it into sub-components or something. We might, we maybe, might, yeah. Maybe sort of lazy Sunday afternoon viewing compared to yeah. Friday night premiere viewing. That's true, yeah. You well, know, things you
1: should watch with a group of friends. Things you should watch yeah. on your own. <laughs> friends who things who that aren't
0: are... necessarily sci-fi buffs. Yeah, yeah. So that you can go. Okay, we're well, here. Watch District Nine. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool sci-fi. Yeah, but it's got enough action and other bits and pieces that mm. you don't really need to be a sci-fi That's to right. enjoy
1: it. Or maybe yeah, things to watch on a train versus things to you know watch on on a huge screen. Cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Uh, so that sounds good to me. I, I, they're similar to me. If you start at number one, you're going to hit this film pretty quickly. If you followed my ladder, uh, I, it's sort of number four, so to speak, on where we are currently. Snowpiercer, right? And then don't look up, and then I am Mother. So to me, I like that as a bit of a trilogy. Um, I think Snowpiercer sort of being a futuristic, you know, unpleasant look at the future <laughs> on the train, the class struggle. Then you come into looking at something like "Don't Look Up," which is much more the satire and um, anxiety part. And then you jump into "I Am Mother," which again is in the future, a bit bleak of AI. I think that sort of like is a cool trilogy of films. If you oh, sort yeah. of watch those three in a row, you've got like literally, if we don't change the way our attitude is now, there are possible futures. Oh yes,
0: that's a good
1: way to <laughs> So, You know, like you say, if you don't look now, is the way of where we are in the world right now, if we if we don't change our way, and we could end up on a train, or we could end up in an underground bunker, and being I, raised by AI. I, I
0: I wouldn't be surprised if in uh, the sort of coming y- next year, we might even be able to organise a uh, little viewing party. Wouldn't that be great to have a little double yeah. feature thing like yep. up there, like uh, just here in Mandra. Yes, definitely, It'd be cool. Manpack or Reading or someplace. Yep, we could get a hold of some, some of the films in our ladder and and
1: play them, yeah. play them in order. Play them to order. So if you've got your own ladder, let us know or let us know what you think about our ladder. If you're following along at home, hit us up and, yeah, respond on Instagram, Facebook, uh, through our website, email, all that sort of stuff, and let us know what you think about our ladder and your ladder and what, what how your viewing experience has been. So sorry, time to get into some science Silence. of don't look up. What are you going to touch on? Is it about comets? Is it about drones? Is it about drilling for minerals? Is it about yeah, a bit of that. Apple
0: and their phone technology? <laughs> well, I mean a little bit, but it is. It's about uh, space resources because right. uh, the comment in there talking about this uh, minerals on this being worth 140 trillion dollars or something or other mm-hmm. struck a a little memory uh, nerve in my brain, which made me think, oh. I remember reading a story on NASA about this very much this sort of thing. Mm. So, NASA's Hubble Telescope. So this is back in twenty twenty that I read this, yeah. and it was this was published in twenty twenty as well. Uh, so the Hubble Telescope was um, taking a bit of photos of you know asteroids as you like, and it came across sixteen Psyche which is the name of a very large celestial body in the solar system's main asteroid belt, orbiting between Mars and Jupiter. So it's roughly 370 million kilometers away from Earth. Right. And it's about 226 Uh kilometers across. Mm. So it's quite a bit bigger than this um, comet that is in the movie. Mm -hmm. But it's primarily made of nickel iron. So they, they reckon that it's probably the core of a planet that failed to form. Right. So the core of the Earth is basically iron. Yep. Um, Molten iron, spinning around, creates a magnetic field, protects us. Yep. Lots of other planets tried to form and failed. And so we do have asteroids and comets floating about the place. And this one here, 226 kilometers across, it is stuffed full of minerals with a value roughly in the range of 10,000 quadrillion dollars. Wow. So, compared to the world's economy, which in 2019 was $142 trillion, Yeah, it's yeah, $10,000 is unimaginably huge. Yes. Into, and so, if you could, in fact, bring this into near-Earth orbit and mine it, there would be so much uh, wealth. Basically, yeah. All of the minerals in there would, base, would become so plentiful as to lose meaning. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and that would have a flow-on effect. You know, cars, which are mostly made out of metal, would be, you know, devalued so much. Batteries would be so cheap to produce. Electronics. Everything. So, it's this massive thing there. It was actually discovered, this uh, asteroid was actually discovered in 1852, uh, by the first-time scientists. Um, but this is the first time scientists have been able to you know, take a look at it because in 1852, surprisingly, they had not yet developed space telescopes, uh, only ordinary telescopes. Yeah, right. So they, we're going to um, go and have a closer look at this asteroid because it's pretty handy to know more about this sort of thing because the desire to mine minerals of, on asteroids and comets is a real thing. Yeah, definitely. Simply because you get... This ball of nickel iron, or like it's just, um, it's already in space, which yep. is the important thing, because people sort of going, well, you know, we can mine that. Basically, the, the Kimberley region of Australia is all iron. Yeah. Like you go there and you clack two rocks together and they clang like hitting two steel bars together. Yep. Uh, we don't have any real scarcity of iron here on the uh, on Earth, but if we want to build moon bases or space stations, or and here's a really good thing. Spaceships. If you build them in space, they don't have to obey the laws of aerodynamics. Mm. So you think the International Space Station? It's just this weird, stuck together stick insect-looking thing. Yeah. It's got thrusters. It can move around. Like it has to dodge stuff from time to time, and maintain orbit and whatever. And it doesn't need to be the beautiful bullet shape. Yeah. Because it's not working against gravity. Really, it's not working against wind resistance. It doesn't need to be strong in the same ways that something you build on the Earth to launch into space has to be strong. Yeah. So, if you're going to build yourself a space station in space uh-huh. uh, or, a, or a spaceship in space, you can build it optimally to resist the forces of acceleration due to your own thrusters uh-huh. and to repel you know, radiation. Uh-huh. You don't have to worry about atmospheric pressure crushing yeah. or... Uh, wind resistance, dragging bits of your hull off, you know, you you can have little poiky out sticky aerials, not a problem. Sounds good. So if you can build it out in space, awesome. But when you're going to build a great big spaceship out of space, you need a whole lot of iron and nickel yeah. and cadmium and manganese. Mm-hmm. You need an asteroid. Yes, so the the desire to get these asteroids is not so much to bring them into Earth orbit and send them down to Earth for use, but rather to bring them to say the lunar orbit to build a moon base or to build a space station. Yeah. Or there's there's various um, books, yeah, you know, sci-fi books where they they hollow out an asteroid to use the asteroid itself as a spaceship. Yeah, because like this thing here is 226 kilometers across, like that's massive. That is huge. If you just tunnel into that. And dig out chambers, stick a few thrusters onto it. You could build a large enough colony that could be self-sustaining, mm. and have yeah you know, a couple kilometres of iron armour yeah. against space debris and radiation. Yeah, It'd be wonderful. Very exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Um. There's some laws about all of this, though, of course. So one thing they have is the moon, uh, and. What I like is that the first of these space agreements, the outer space tra- uh, outer space treaties, started in 1966. So before we'd gotten to the moon. Yeah. We're certainly on the trajectory for the moon, but we hadn't gotten there. And so I think, I think the everyone was just sort of saying, well, we should, you know, be prepared. Yeah. Come up with a few laws around what we're going to do in outer space because we're starting to put satellites in space. We've had Sputnik going around. We've we've had. Uh, a couple other sort of you know um, manned orbits of the earth the or yeah. womaned orbits of the earth in, in the case of the, the the Russian cosmonauts and so that, so they've got they've got a few treaties there about the fact that space is not any one country you can't claim sovereignty over space or its objects yeah and on the moon in 1979 they finally signed the moon agreement which is part of the United Nations Charter, and ended in a force in 1984. Uh, and it's it's part of the United Nations Committee on Peaceful Uses of Outer Space. So there is actually such a thing. Uh, there's only 18 nations that have signed or ratified the treaty, but it's kind of not terribly important because there's, what, 18 nations could even possibly launch something to the moon? Yeah. There's really only about two or three, yeah. four nations that could really realistically do it. China's given it a, a good shot. I think they've got a probe up there now, like yeah. a robot. They want to get some, you know, Chinese, what what would they be called, Um, Sinonauts? Is that, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what they want to call themselves. Um, It's probably unpronounceable by unlearned people like myself. Uh, But anyway, so uh, the Article 11 of this Moon Agreement establishes that lunar resources are not subject to national appropriation by claim of sovereignty, by means of use or occupation, or by any other means. However, exploitation of resources is suggested to be allowed if it is governed by an international regime. Of course, the rules of such a regime have not been established. So what that means is we can't wholesale mine the moon. So there have been a few proposals to send up private ships, but the the fact is nobody can do that because nobody can buy the mineral rights off anyone because nobody can claim parts of the moon and that's mm-hmm. quite nice it's been signed in as being a common heritage of mankind hmm. which is which is nice awesome uh, but yeah so there's a lot of desire for building stuff in space and for that we're going to need asteroids we've only got about 1 gram less than 1 gram of material back from asteroids so far so that's the hayabusa mm-hmm. Uh, probes that have yeah. done it there's yeah. another probe that's coming back with uh I think it's about sixty grams of Ooh. asteroid you Ooh, know no so that's yeah. like that's that's like two shot glasses yep. worth of asteroid stuff so it's it's not really impressive it is very difficult and very yeah. expensive to mine asteroids. The potential value though is enormous mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's just it's really difficult because asteroids are spinning out faster than we are so if you fly from the earth out to where the asteroids are in because of uh angular momentum like so you've only got the same angular momentum when you leave the earth as the earth yes so you're orbiting the sun at the same speed as the earth Uh and because you're getting further away from the sun it means you're not making as many rotations of the sun as the earth is because you've got to go further yeah for every rotation right and so these asteroids which are out there they're traveling about four or five kilometers a second faster than you would be if you flew from the Earth out to where the asteroids are. They would be shooting past at five kilometers per second, yeah. which is unintelligibly fast. Like this, yeah, yeah. It's you can't flash. do anything with that. You can't catch them. You can't land them. can't do anything, which means that you need to get out 370 million kilometers mm. and then have enough fuel to accelerate up an additional five kilometres per second, Mm. which that's assuming you can find yourself some rockets capable of getting to that speed. Yeah. Um go back to I think I think it was our passengers episode. Yeah. That I talked about rocket thrust. But anyway, once you got to that speed, yeah, you could catch up to an asteroid, you could grab it, Uh you could attach rockets. Yeah. 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 You can start heading back to Earth, but now you're heading back to Earth and as you get closer in, Mm. your relative speed to Earth again, means that you have to apply huge thrust to slow this thing down so you don't just destroy the Earth. That's right. Uh, Because it it won't stay in orbit at the speed it's traveling. So, totally science fiction at this stage. I mean, using our technology, if you were to spend enough time on it and money, you could Mm, do it, but totally beyond the realms of the reasonably practical. Like, you would be wasting so many resources to have a slim chance... Of getting back a tiny asteroid, yeah, worth almost nothing. Yeah, so uh, we will get there, I think. I think
1: we will be Just, HP, and that will be interested at some point.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, and I love this. One of the um, benefits that has been put forward by these mining companies is um, to save the Earth, its resources, and reduce pollution. Yeah, and you're going. That's not why you want a $10,000 quadrillion dollar asteroid. No, no, no. Like, you're not doing that out of some grandiose scheme to protect the Earth. No, not at all. Uh, You're doing that because you want $10,000 quadrillion dollars worth of material at your
1: disposal. And maybe you could just, in space, pollute the living daylights out of it.
0: Well, it is pointed out that industry running in space would allow you to do a lot of industrial processes that you just uh, are unsafe to do on Earth. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, or difficult so th- there is sort of a certain amount of that you know it, it doesn't matter if you jettison your toxic mine t- mining tailings into the sun like yeah. the sun doesn't really care it'll deal uh, with it that's true unless you're living on the sun in which case uh, you might be listening to this in a few billion years time and mm. I apologise <laughs> anyway that's that's what I I really wanted to sort of talk a bit about that the this ridiculously enormous hunk of nickel iron that if we did capture it, would make nickel iron so uh, plentiful yeah. as to render it worthless, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It would become a, a post-scarcity material.
1: Okay, so that pretty much brings us to the end tonight. Uh, the next episode we're going to be looking at is a film called The Shape of Water. It came out by uh, Guelamo del Torre. I've totally missed I've I totally mispronounced. I know, oh, it's got Guillermo a name. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Oh, I love del Toro. Um, he won, or this film won an Oscar, I think, for Best Picture. Uh, I have seen it before, and I'll be going to get stuck into it again. I'm looking forward to it. It's an incredible film. Uh, and, yeah, if you want to keep up with us, go and check it out yourself. So, please give us a 5 stay rating or write a review on Spotify, Apple, Podcasts, or
0: just send us a friendly email to or, suggest a movie we should talk about. Yeah,
1: just reach out and say hi. Uh, we look forward to that. You can also follow us and like us and comment again. Communicate to us through the spacebrains.com website, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook.
0: Yeah, what are you waiting for? I don't know. Okay, well, shape of water, trick. It's the shape of whatever you put it in.
1: <laughs> so... Let us know what you think about space brains and what we talked about with Don't Look Up. And I look forward to talking about Shape of Water with you in a couple of weeks' time. Sorry. Absolutely.
0: Bye. See ya. Bye.